Welcome to the Women's Math edition of the Easy Does It podcast, your cool guide to investing. For the month of August, the Easy Does It podcast belongs to the women. So we've sent DJ at large on holiday down the coast. Bye. Well, we have some frank, honest, and unscripted conversations with women about their finances. From investing, financial planning, relationships, budgeting, everything. I even have voice notes, guys. <laughs> My name is Carly Barnes, Head of Brand and Relationships at Easy Equities. And thanks for lending me your lovely ears today. I have searched far and wide to bring four of my favorite women together and this was tough because I have a lot of faves out there who are kicking butt in the world of financial education. We're chatting remotely in the time of COVID and not in studio. I am joined by S, Tejo, Tando and Pinky and we're going to have just a chilled candid chat about money. Welcome to Easy Does It and thank you for joining me guys. Um, I'd love to just kick off with a little bit about you. So I want to hear how old you are, what do you do, where you're from, how long have you been doing this investing thing? Uh, maybe S, you want to kick us off? Yeah, sure. Hi everyone. So excited to be here. So I'm S, um, born and bred in the East Rand of Johannesburg. I'm 35. I turned 35 this year even though I'm in denial. I'm a mother of two. I'm a wife. Uh, I'm so many things. To, um, but one thing that I think has brought me on here today is, you know, my love for talking about financial education, how to handle money, just money in general. I think that's a topic I'm passionate about and love to share a lot about. Awesome. I can't wait to pick your brain. Um, Tando, let's hear from you next. Thank you to everyone that's actually listening to this. It's so amazing when you get to engage on, on topics like this, especially at a time when we're focusing on women specifically um, for August. So my name is Tando. I was I always like to mention my grandparents and I introduce myself. So I was raised by two amazing grandparents that are absolute rock stars. Um, I live in beautiful Cape Town. I'm 24 years old, almost 25 actually. My birthday is pretty close at this point. Um, and just in terms of what I do for a living, I'm a scrum master. But what I'm really passionate about is personal finance, financial independence, and the whole early retirement movement is really where my passion for personal finance um, stems from. Did you say you're a scrum master? Yes. You're a badass girl. <laughs> That's awesome. Whereabouts in Cape Town are you from? Um, I'm not from Cape Town. I was born and raised in Zimbabwe. I came to Cape Town to study at UCT and then found my feet here and made a home. Um, so I actually live pretty close to CBD in Woodstock. Nice. You're down the road from where we must hang out. Yeah. So we can talk all things that you've just said, all the money things. Okay, cool. Let's hear from you, Pinky. Tell us your story. Hi, I am Pinky and S stole my line because I am the East Rand girl and I didn't know that S is from the East Rand, so that's new to me. <laughs> and I feel so old uh, because Tando is so young, <laughs> so I can't say my age now, but I've received my first shot of the Pfizer vaccine, so I'm very excited. Um, nice. Yeah, I think similar to... so. Thank you for the invitation and I'm so excited to be part of this roundtable. Uh, I love learning and I love talking about finance, you know, personal money management is very dear to me. I think the main reason is because I grew up with very little. Um, so 
had to learn the hard way that debt and credit cards are not the way to go in this life um so i've been investing for quite a while uh, i started uh, had to withdraw not had to but withdrew everything uh to to pursue my mba and then i uh, restarted from zero i think the day that i paid up all my fees i had less than 1000 rands in my bank accounts and it was still like three weeks to pay day uh but that sacrifice was worth it uh because since then obviously my salary has increased exponentially uh i'm in a field that i really really enjoy and i also have the freedom i guess uh to share what i have learned and the mistakes that i've made and the successes that i've had with a lot of people and i think that's important not only uh for people that are advantaged or already have the privilege now but for the people that don't have access to some of these investment platforms or information about personal money management uh like as i said i grew up with very little so i'm very passionate about spreading that gospel not only on twitter i do it in my community outside of twitter yes, some people just <laughs> so some people get to hear my voice and um just the, the little bits that I know that I can share with others outside of social media. Because one thing we must never forget in South Africa is that less than 10% of the population have actually got access to social media. I didn't know that. Sure, well, that's a few chapters of your money story already. I, I really want to hear from everyone, actually, um, our, our sort of thoughts around, you know, how money shaped us. But I'm going to let uh, Tsekho jump in and give us her, her deeds. Who are you? What are you about, Tsekho? Hi, thank you so much for having me. I am Tsekho Fadzo. I am 22 years old and I am from Pretoria. I've been in Pretoria my whole life. I currently work as a software developer and I am also a small business owner. I make soy wax candles and I um, recently started investing. I've only been investing for about a year now, but I do have a YouTube channel where I enjoy learning new things and just sharing my experiences. Oh, can we rewind to the soy uh, candle business, please? Um, <laughs> that is so cool. Yes. Are you talking about those soy candles where um, the wax isn't like super hot, so you can like pour it on your body and use it as like massage oil? No, I've taken it too far. Um. <laughs> yeah, soy is a natural wax, so it can be used on your skin. But the ones that I make are mostly used just to light up and have a nice scent. Oh, I'm going to have to place some orders with you. That sounds absolutely fabulous. Um, so awesome <laughs> to have you ladies with me this morning. I love the diversity in this group. Like, we all have different uh, walks of life that we've been on and different experiences. So I can't wait to get into it with you. I'm going to kick off with a little icebreaker. Just a random question. I want everyone to tell me, what is the last thing you bought with your money? What is the last thing you did with your money i'll go first so that you guys can think about it i oof this is i'm not proud of this but i did a little friday night takeout uh on uber eats uber eats takes quite a bit of my spend these days especially with restaurants closing early and just being generally tired especially on a friday like we ordered some poke bowls and that was my 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 last spend how about you guys 
Um, well, for me, well, this is a, like, it's a guilty pleasure, really. These chips are overpriced, and I completely acknowledge it, but I absolutely love them. Um, Pringles, so every once in a while, mm. I, I, I they get a packet. They even made the um, the bag smaller, but they kept the price at the same point, which I feel like is unfair, but I always buy them, and I still feel like they're, they're overpriced. That's like the last thing I bought yesterday, actually. Have you tried the fish and chips flavor? No, I love the food chutney flavor. It tastes exactly like fish and chips. It's crazy. <laughs> Pinky, how about you? So I love scented candles and they are so expensive. <laughs> but I spoke myself with a new uh, fragrance of scented candles from uh, Poetry, which is like 250 a candle. Ooh, nice. <laughs> But it makes my room smell beautiful. So when I have to go to sleep, my bedroom smells awesome. So I love it. <laughs> so then you really need to have a conversation with Tejo after this so she can hook you up. <laughs> yes, I didn't know this. I'm so excited. I will really support. I love supporting side hustles and small businesses. So definitely. How about you, Tejo? Um, the last thing I bought is KFC. <laughs> I also have a problem with Uber Eats. <laughs> I just love to order food. So yesterday, I got some KFC because I'm like, it's Friday, so yeah. <laughs> I think we all get a pass on a Friday, I have to be honest. Like, uh, sometimes that Uber Eats is also pick and pay bottles, oof, on a Friday. <laughs> Not at the moment, but <laughs> awesome. Uh, well, that also gives me a little bit of insight into who you guys are um, and actually preparing for our little chat today and in my own financial journey, I've been doing a lot of thinking about money stories and about mine. And it's something that I've really had to think about in terms of my investing journey specifically, because I think it leads you to your ultimate why when it comes to investing. So I want to talk a bit about money stories. I mean, this is sort of what I consider your personal experiences, your beliefs, your goals, how how money shaped you, how do you feel about money? These things come from, you know, a young age and they evolve with us and they lead us to where we are now. So, I mean, Pinky, you've already touched on your money story, which sounds like, you know, it's, it's impacted your life hugely. It's, you know, changed almost the course of your life. Um, so I wonder if anyone else um, wants to talk a bit about their money story and how that's impacted where they are now. You know, I had to really reflect on this question because I had to think back and, and try and remember how some of the, you know, the things that have happened in my life have shaped the way I look at money. And I'll never forget. So growing up, um, my parents were, you know, considered fairly okay. Um, my dad had to stop working. Um, he had a uh, sort of a stroke and stopped working and got a payout and they started a business together. And I just remember them working really hard because, you know, there was no room for error financially for them. It was that dire situation. And they worked really hard to, to get to where they were. And when the business failed, it was almost, you know, what now? So I remember when I first my got got my first job and my mom gave me literally her last um, 200 rand that she'd made from a hair salon business and gave it to me, you know, to start this graduate trainee job. And I remember that sacrifice of her giving me this money. And I'll never forget when I started working and I got the money and when their business failed, 
I felt like, you know, I had to give back. And a lot of the things that I got into family tax was based on that love. They'd given me so much. I wanted to give much, a lot back to them. And I think a lot of that has shaped how I've looked at money. And just this thing of, you know, I have to make it. I have to invest my money so that I can look after my loved ones. And it's, it's from a place of love. I think that my money stories have been shaped. It's about providing for my loved ones and being able to, uh, being in a, a privileged position to be able to give back. Yeah, that's quite beautiful that you've taken those circumstances and and produced such a positive outlook, I guess. Does everyone have, you know, does everyone sort of feel that way that they've been able to take their money story and turn it into something positive? No, definitely. I can I can definitely like relate to what S is saying. Obviously, you can never relate at the same level as the person that has gone through those experiences and been in that situation. Um, but I remember how my grandparents raised me, um, and they like raised me like their own child, really, and they took care of everything that I needed. And for them, that was gifting um, life to me because I would never have come to the point where I'm at in life without them, right? So they had to make a lot of sacrifices along the way. But I think for me personally, in my money story, the really interesting thing was how much I learned about earning money because that was a lesson my grandfather really drilled in us that money just doesn't appear. You have to get up and do something. You have to actually earn the money for it to to be there. So I've always had that principle of you have to work hard. You have to actually put in the work for you to get um, to the point where you where you want to be. So I I've gotten that that work ethic from him. But a big part that was missing was the saving and investment part. We always talked about making money. Um, my grandfather had his own business. So money was a very um, big topic, but only around earning. So I never thought about investing at all until after I actually graduated from, from university because it was just something we never, we never spoke about. So a, a big part of like how I am changing my money story is bringing in that aspect for not just me, but also to, to my family, to get them actually to a point where they're thinking about investing and things like that. Because I remember just how much money we made when I was growing up. And as an adult looking back now, I'm like, if we had managed it in a different way, our family tree would look so, so different if we had actually invested the money that we um, we're spending, which was would which would have been a um, a better decision. So for me, like I see it as kind of like my duty to give back where I can, especially when it comes to knowledge and empowering them to really grow the money and not just earn it. I think personally, you know, if you grow up with very little, you can either take one of two directions: repeat those mistakes or become so good at saving and investing um, and while doing that spread the message uh, i think uh, a lot of people would know that i'm very pro sharing um, and assisting people because one thing that we need to get people to understand and i remember charles said it so well in one of the spaces that we hosted him on the whole idea of democratizing access it's very important and when we look at that, it tells it, it tells us that we need to share the message with very young people. Hence, Sandra and Seho inspired me so much because at that age, although I had an idea about investing, because I first started working in a bank, <laughs> but you know what? Banks are not there to help you to make more money. <laughs> 
Um, so I'm very inspired and motivated by them uh, that they're so young and they already know uh, what they need to do. So by the time that they reach uh, their mid-30s like me, they'll be way ahead of where I am at right now. Seho, how did you get that right being so young and knowing all that stuff? With me, um, growing up, I saw people around me struggle financially. And in my final year of varsity last year, I found myself in a position where I couldn't afford to pay for my fees and luckily I got a bursary to cover my final year but I also started working in my final year so I started thinking about how I can make my money work for me so I learned about investing but when I started I was not sure how it worked I thought it was a way to make some money quickly So I got started, but uh, once I got started, I decided to actually learn more and to figure out what I was doing. And that's when I realized like, okay, I can actually make my money work for me, especially in the long term. So um, once I started doing this, I realized that the reason I don't really know how this works is that I never actually talk to anyone about it. And the people around me also don't do any investing and they don't know anything about this. So that's why I decided to start sharing the information that I learned on my YouTube channel. And yeah, so, so far I just try to learn as much as I can and share as much as I can as well. You know what, I think for so many people, the learning is in the doing. Um, I can say that definitely for myself. Uh, When I first started investing, I knew absolutely nothing about it. Um, But the only way, I mean, I could read and I obviously did do all of that stuff, but the only way I could actually get to grips with it was doing it myself with real money. And when you can do that with 10 Rand, it's actually, it becomes a lot easier to learn as you do. Um, putting all those skills to practical use is when you actually get, you know, something, the penny drops, you know, this light bulb goes on and you go, oh, that's how it works. I, I got it. Um, so it's really impressive that you were able to come to that point so young because I think everybody here wishes that they that they could have done that. So you, you are in very, very good footing. Should we get a little question from our listeners and see what they see what they have to ask us? Unwind, get comfortable, press play, and let the lady speak. Hi there, so I'm doing my first year in university and I've always looked towards growing my money and investing in it. But I've found it quite difficult to find stable areas in which I could invest considering the fact that I am living in a global pandemic. A lot of things aren't certain and also not stable and, you know, companies and businesses and all that kind of stuff. So I just wanted to ask if you know any possible areas of investments that could really help me especially in this time of covid basically our call is wanting to know a bit more about what you invest in during the covid19 pandemic and how you kind of protect your wealth against the the uncertainty at the moment and i think that's a good question because i don't know about you guys but when this whole thing started i suddenly was at home a lot more and using technology a lot more and thinking about my money a lot more so it all sort of came to the fore what do you guys think what are your covid19 investing thoughts okay i'll go (laughs) so kali uh when covid happened obviously I guess we knew it was coming. Uh, I'm fortunate enough that uh, I work in an industry where we kind of 
have a lot of scenario planning. And when this particular pandemic started getting out of control in China, we started planning. Uh, we had test drives of working from home, you know, testing different sites, and then the whole organization. So even before the, the president closed down the country, we were already working from home. I don't want to lie to you. Initially, I didn't want to invest in anything. I was just miserable. <laughs> I thought I'm going to miss Jim. I'm gonna miss seeing my friends, <laughs> you know. Uh, that, that 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 was my main thing. But personally, I didn't change my investment style. I I added. Obviously, I was a little bit afraid because uh, I think it was the middle of or towards the the middle. It was the beginning of April, end of March, beginning of April when everything went crazy. Uh, so I was a bit fearful. Uh, the main thing that I tried not to do is obviously check my apps and check what my investments are doing and uh, once I had calmed down a little bit I just added to what I already had so uh, I'll use a very good example one of my favorite stocks is Disney uh, so it's one of the first US stocks I ever bought and I had a very small position at the time and Disney crashed I think I was down like 50% at some point in April last year <laughs> you know because obviously now uh, the world is closed Disney theme parks are closed movies are closed um, all of that so so you can just imagine my shock and horror but fast forward to 2021 Disney is one of my best performing stocks <laughs> because it has just skyrocketed the past six seven months um, so I think the one lesson that I've learned is obviously try and stay calm when others are fearful <laughs> from Warren Buffett try and stay calm it's easier said than done um, but the one thing that definitely worked for me is not to panic and not to check my apps at some point I deleted all my my banking or investment apps that I've got on my phone <laughs> so that worked for me keep calm that's a very good piece of advice I'm also invested in Disney and it also was one of my first uh, stocks that I invested in uh, because I just love Disney movies I'm like a weird fan of Disney movies and actually now that I think of it um, with the world the way it is, isn't Disney in a great position? Because they don't rely on physical actors and film sets. They can do animated content. So I guess, yeah, I think sticking to your guns is a really, really good kind of way to go about it. What do the rest of you think? So I definitely agree. Um, I think like the moment you're making a decision right like, like when you're taking the app and you see that the graph is now pointing down instead of up and you make the decision to sell right there and there i think you're making probably the worst decision because as human beings we generally don't make the best decisions when we're in when we're like um put into a corner when you're panicking you're not necessarily thinking rationally you're not going to sit down and actually review the research that you actually did before you invested instead you're just like oh right now things are going down i'm going to sell but you're like forgetting that whole longer term view which i think is is really important so for me like i having like read like a lot of books around investing and just understanding that it's not like the market doesn't always go up right it will go down it'll fluctuate that's that's pretty much normal in, in the stock market in like remembering that and remembering the fact that i actually did do my research and i actually understand what i'm investing in and why i'm investing in that and going back to that research was really key for me because honestly what happens in the next five years doesn't really impact me in in all honesty because i have such a long-term view that i know that okay Generally, the market does go up and the investments that I have made are aligned with what, with my research, with, um, 
with with everything that I that I know and really just yeah making sure that you've done your research before and you just essentially revisit that research in, in moments of doubt was really key for so me. So for me um it was more around you know I had a problematic property that I wanted to get rid of I could see that we're going to be we might be in lockdown for a while in terms of what was coming out of the other parts of the world so for me key was getting rid of a property and moving into cash and just asking myself did I have enough in terms of emergency funds saved up should anything happen i mean people were losing jobs um people were dying it was just a scary time and for me it was just asking myself do i have enough cash can i top up my cash in terms of my emergency fund um as well as looking at you know my investment philosophy and what i look at in terms of investing so i usually look at you know geographical um spread how is so i was investing in shares and exchange traded funds and i just asked myself in terms of ge- geographical risk am i diversified enough you know these are some of the questions i ask myself i'm based in south africa do i want all my investments in south africa or do i need to have some outside south africa you know the jsc uh, makes up 1% of the world stock market is it does it make sense for me to only be invested in south africa um the other part was you know asset class was i comfortable with the various asset classes that i was invested in be it you know um property be it equity be it cash be it bonds um and looking at the the number of holdings in my portfolio was i comfortable um did my shares would my shares survive this if they were cyclical as an example so th- those are some of the things that i was just thinking and looking at my portfolio and saying was i comfortable and i was fortunate that you know my salary wasn't impacted so with a saving i could add a little bit more towards my emergency fund and put a little bit away towards topping up some of the stuff i have that sounds like a really solid strategy and i i like what you said in terms of geography so what i find quite interesting is if you look at a graph and i am not a graph person let's just put it out there i ain't a graph gal but from time to time you know i have conversations and we look at graphs and if you have a look at a graph with emerging markets like south africa like brazil china and you compare that graph to the more developed markets like america europe um that kind of thing you know when something like covid-19 happens both of those markets tend to take a dip you know there's a there's a sharp turn when some huge economic event like like a pandemic happens and you know the recovery is where i see the big difference um emerging markets tend to recover a little bit slower than developing markets and that makes sense because developing markets have that better infrastructure they've got you know just a lot more tools at their disposable disposal to pivot and make a plan and recover whereas emerging markets don't so that's when that diversification really helps you is that if you've got global exposure and you've got local exposure you kind of offset that risk on both sides um but also if you look at those graphs eventually they do recover you know it's just at different rates and in different ways but going back to what you said tando like we in this for the long long term it's going to go up and down that's the nature of what markets do um is there anything that you want to add uh, techo anything that you put into your your portfolio during covid-19 so with me um i only started investing during the pandemic so um first i made the mistake of just um 
doing what everyone says you should do i just you know so i started learning that it's important for me to do my own research and to uh, figure out what works for me yeah i think that's so important because it's not a one size fits all thing you know it's just not and we we're, what we're talking about now is some some really basic investing 101 principles actually do your research stay diversified um have a long term point of view and i would recommend uh to all our listeners go back and listen to our first ever episode with Simon Brown which was on investing 101 and i think you know there's so many just basic principles of investing that can be real like relative to us at any point in our journey. So guys, I'm going to wrap up there. That is our first episode um on women and finance and all things investing. It's been epic talking to these fabulous very smart women and I can't wait to continue the conversation. It's not always easy for women. but we at easy equities will continue to do our part to help break those barriers don't forget to subscribe we are on spotify and apple podcast